0: I believe that's it. Let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you so much for Jesus. He is the reason that we're here today. The reason we've gathered. And he is our unseen guest. O Lord of life, the one who was crucified in weakness and is now risen in power, sitting at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, the minister, our minister, our servant, oh dear Lord, our our thoughts can't wrap themselves around this fact. Our words cannot express the joy, the, the glory that we have now that the man, Jesus Christ, who knows everything about us, who walked, experienced everything that we experienced, is now not only interceding Above for us, but is here, gathered. He is in the midst of us, those of us that are gathered in the name of Jesus. Dear Father, we pray that everyone this morning would be gathered in the name of Jesus. That there would be no one here apart from him that would have not claimed that name, not only in word and in their lips, but also in their hearts and their lives, have claimed him as their Lord and as their Savior. Dear Father, we pray that thy word would go this morning out to nourish, strengthen thy church, to build it up, dear Father, that we, in our, <clears throat> our, our, our short-sightedness, even we do see that this needs to happen. How much more, dear Father, as we take upon the mind of Christ, as we look through thy eyes to see that we definitely need to be built up. We need to be strengthened and encouraged in thy word for what lies ahead, what lies in front of us, what is right uh, before us to do. Dear Lord, help us this morning hour as we read thy word, as we meditate on it. Let thy thy purposes be accomplished. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. we finally reached the end of second corinthians this is the the last chapter in second corinthians second corinthians chapter 13 i checked my notes it's been almost a year over a year i think since we started kind of intermittently going through this book but Now we are at the final chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other, that if I come again, I will not spare, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you, word, is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. I've read to the end of the epistle. May God bless the reading of his word.
1: Lord is worthy that we come before him in prayer. It is indeed with great awe and reverence that we come into your holy presence, unworthy but made worthy by the blood of your son. Father, We also need correction, even as this church did. And we pray that your power be used for edification, for correction, for admonition, that we may awaken out of slumber, out of spiritual sloth, out of spiritual distraction, and that we may apply ourselves to your kingdom while the time remains. Father, there are souls in peril that need rescuing from destiny of of danger and torment, not only here, but for eternity. And we have this truth within us. Father, we pray that it could be a burning fire, that we could seek to save and to to live in such a way that your gospel would be believed, that the, the weakness of our selves, we would learn to depend upon you as we learned the previous chapter, and let your strength be manifested in who we are. Father, we desperately need your power to demonstrate itself in and through us. Father, Work through our dear brother and speak to, through him to each one of us. Lord, you know the needs of all who are here. You know their hearts. You know what message they need to receive. You know the encouragement and strengthening and challenge. Father, even those who would be hearing this through electronic means. We pray that you would speak to their hearts and help them to see who you really are and respond to your love and holiness, your goodness and your severity. Father, we pray that for those who are struggling with health issues, as we've heard this morning, those in hospital beds, those um, recovering from surgeries, some with dealing with old age and infirmity and and unable to be here father we pray that you would encourage and strengthen and be present with them also and lord help us to be your hands and feet we pray in jesus name amen
0: So as I I mentioned, we have been going through this epistle, um, sometimes slowly, sometimes sequentially. Uh, And thinking back to the start of this, I'm not even sure exactly why the Lord led me to this epistle, to meditate on this epistle. I think part of it, Brother Edmund has said in the past too, is when he doesn't understand something in God's Word, he preaches about it. And then God seems to operate and and work and reveal things, and maybe that was the case. But I'd like you to cast your mind back to a year and a half ago when we hosted the OMAC meeting in this church on the Saturday. And then the Sunday following, if you remember, Brother Ed Yon preached here, and he preached from this chapter. Maybe that had something to do with it, too. That powerful message that he spoke about examining yourselves, that stuck with me. Be that as it may, here we are at this last chapter in this book. And part of the challenge and the blessing of preaching sequentially through a book is that sometimes it seems, wow, this is exactly what's needed, and other times, well, Lord, what do you want to ha- how do you want to use this word, and, and what are you going to speak to each one here? And that is the beauty of God's word. It is always applicable and it is powerful in ways that we don't realize it's not powerful if we don't really take the time to read it and take it in if it sits on a shelf if it just gathers dust if it's not studied if it's not meditated and thought about daily so maybe i want to ask you that first before we get into this specific chapter are you taking the word of god seriously Am I taking the Word of God seriously? Is it something that I hunger and thirst after as the means by which to grow? There's really nothing more important. I mean, we have all our plans and all our responsibilities and all the, the important things in life, life but we really we can't live life the way we ought to, the way we were designed to, unless we really take this, this Word seriously. And that's, I think, the bit of the thrust of this last chapter here. Paul telling his beloved church to wake up. You know, it's like an echo a little bit. I, I, I hear an echo in this. How he closes this book? How does he close it? He closes it with a warning, right? A very serious warning. He says, "If I come again, and things are not correct, if things, if people haven't repented, I won't spare." It's an echo, really, of Christ's own warning to his church in Revelations 3. Whom I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. Repent, therefore. It's really the voice of love that's speaking this. It's not... Paul's been at, at pains to, to really um, demonstrate this in, in, in this epistle, right? He's, he's shown, he's bared his soul. He's, he's shown that he really cares about them. It's not about him... Um, he really loves them, and he will go to whatever lengths it takes to, to wake them up. So this is how Paul begins this last portion, how he wraps things up with one final warning. He says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. I, he had that first year and a half or so in Corinth where he planted the church. He said he didn't really baptize a lot, but he baptized a few, got the church started. Then there was a second painful visit, he alludes to in this, in this epistle, where what, for whatever reason, there was some sort of confrontation or something where it was just really painful. He had to leave, actually had to give him some space and write, he wrote a, a severe letter first, and then he wrote this letter. And now he's going to be coming for the third time. He wants to see what's the state of things. I've heard reports. I've heard there's been some repentance. That was chapter seven in this epistle. There's been some response to my, the severe letter, but there's still some of you that are holding out, that are, that are not accepting the authority that God has given me as a, an apostle. And he's going to come and he's going to be, and he says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. That sounds to me like he's going to be doing some judging there, and you think, oh, that's a, that's a bad word, judging. We, we ought not to judge. Any good parent, any parent that's has a modicum of responsibility, realizes when your kids get in danger and they get in trouble and they're doing things they ought not, you've got to intervene. You've got to do something. You can't just let things go as they are. Same thing here. He's going to be doing some, he's going to be ascertaining and making some decisions with witnesses, etc., And really, the, the goal and the thrust, the whole point of all this, the, why, he's, why he's poured out his, his heart in this epistle, is for repentance. Is for uh, a turning around. Brother and sister, that word should not be strange to us, that word Repentance. I think this this these strong words here, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith, they are not meant to make you question your salvation, to, to get you to a place of 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 doubt and, and kind of real trepidation. Am I saved? Am I not? Am I where do I really stand? No, no, they're they're meant to wake up the Christian that thinks they need no repentance. That thinks everything's okay. Things are pretty good. God must be pleased with me. That attitude really doesn't have um, any congress with, with God, any, any, any um, relation with him. It's independent. It's, a, it's an attitude of self-sufficiency, of I'm strong, I'm good enough. But it's the soul that realizes his weakness, like we read in the previous chapter, when I am weak, then I am strong, that, that God's grace is sufficient. That's the one that can take this, this scripture and realize it's life for me. Examining myself, looking in my, in, my, in my heart, where do I stand before the Lord? Am I doing what he wants me to do? That's life. It's not a question of, am I really saved? It's a question of, am I doing what the Lord wants me to for the one who ignores this and doesn't do anything with it, yeah, it, it really is a question of, are you really saved? Are you in the faith? Is this faith living and active and, active and working in you? James says, faith, uh, works, faith without works is dead. These, these Corinthians that were giving Paul a hard time that wanted to, is he really a mess? You know, his apostleship basically, questioning his apostleship is basically questioning did Christ send you? Are you really his messenger? Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me. Paul's going to show them some of that power. And this is not a scary power. It really is not. This power that, 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 that Paul is going to wield if he needs to, to correct to discipline the power that he's already wielded and, and through this epistle, you know, as he's written this epistle through the Spirit. That power is the power of the risen Christ. It's the power over sin. I remember thinking so many times as an as a unbeliever outside of Christ, wanting, desiring to, to be converted, to be changed, and thinking, I don't even really want this if there is no power in it. If it's just some sort of head exercise, some sort of mental thing, I believe now, and I'm going to go my merry way, and yet I'm here, I still am in the same situation, the same misery, the same realization that what I do does not please God, and I can't do really anything about it. I don't want a Christian experience that does not deliver me from that. I want power. And this is the power that Christ offers to everyone, the power over sin. The power to do things honest. The power to do things right. Brother and sister, we have that power through Jesus Christ. This is the power that he wants us to live in. Not the power, uh, not the the world's power, the power to, to, to do things that the world will look at and be impressed by. Or even the power to have a comfortable, good life. That's not the power of Jesus Christ. That's not the power that Paul displayed in his life, the power and weakness. It was the power to do right no matter what. To, no matter the persecution, the buffeting, the, 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 the things that were thrown in his way, that thorn in the flesh, whatever was thrown at him, it was a power. And, it, and he said, it's not of me. It's not, I'm just a strong individual. He said, no, no, no. I've realized I am incredibly weak. Brother and sister, that power is available to us today, this morning hour. He was crucified in weakness, yet he liveth. Jesus Christ lives by the power of God. How many times have I succumbed to a defeatist attitude about myself, about my family, about my church? Christ has the power. But this power comes through examining ourselves. And when Brother Ed preached a year and a half ago, I went back, I listened to it last night. Uh, we have the, the recordings. We can listen to them. They're on the church website. He gave some examples of how we examine ourselves. And there were some good practical things about, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's a simple one. Or the fruits of the Spirit. I'd like to maybe just, this morning, as, maybe as a recap, Flip back through these pages in this epistle and use these, just a few of the things that come through chapter by chapter, as the means for us to examine ourselves, whether we are in the faith, whether that faith is is living and it's working in us. Back in chapter 1, if you remember, the theme at which he opened this letter blessed be the god even the father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and the god of all comfort and he and he dwells upon comfort and how much uh his situation where he was in ephesus where he's writing at the time he needed that comfort he received that comfort and he wanted to share that so the first way we examine ourselves is where do i receive my comfort when things are down when things are difficult when things are uncomfortable where do i go Do I go to entertainment? Do I go to uh, other people? Do I look for a pick-me-up from this or from that? Where's my comfort? This is evidence that that we are in the faith that God is working that faith in us when we look to God for comfort, when we realize that my only comfort really comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. That was chapter 1. Chapter 2. right at the end of this chapter, you remember there there was this, this verse 14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And there, the, the picture there was this triumphal procession. That Christ is leading a procession of his saints, all those that believe on him. He's leading them victorious. He's coming through the city victoriously with captives in the train and, and, and leading uh, victoriously. Do I realize that? Do I see that? Chapter three was this, glorious ministration through the spirit that we have that we have something better than that smoking burning mount zion where the where the law was delivered where you know the earth shook and, and all this incredible amazing sight we have something better actually here this morning hour as we behold the face of jesus christ and are changed into his image from glory to glory do i realize that am i excited about that or do I want to see something big and, and dramatic and, and God to work in some, some big way like he did with the, the, the children of Israel who it didn't really change them in the inside? Chapter 4, Paul talked a little bit about his own sufferings. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. First, previous verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus how much suffering am I doing for the Lord? Is it something I'm shying away from, the awkwardness, the difficulty, the sticking out, the being a little different? This is the way I examine myself, whether I'm in the faith. You know, each one of us, I think as we realize, as we look at these things, there's no place for complacency, isn't there? There's no place for thinking, I'm good in that category. Everything... It's like everything, there is something to improve. There is something to go deeper, you know, and I realize for, for myself that some things much more than others, but still. Suffering. Chapter 5. The flip side. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. Am I rejoicing in what I have for me in heaven? The house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven? This is the way I examine myself whether I'm in the faith. Do I have a longing for heaven or desire for it? And not just as a sentimental sort of thing, as just an emotion, though emotions are beautiful and good and, 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 and used by God, but something a little more enduring than that. Do I make my priorities accordingly? Do I decide according to knowing that this body actually is falling apart and it's going to be dissolved that was chapter 5 chapter 6 well if I know that am I unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness what communion hath light with darkness what's my relationship with the world around me am I part of it am I too close to it that's the way I examine myself this is Paul's been writing this whole letter this whole epistle all these different facets not randomly not because oh, I had a good idea I want to explore this topic a bit It's all with the goal and the intention to build up that church, to edify it, the things that he sees that they're really struggling with. We can take it the same way. Chapter 7, repentance, godly repentance. The power of godly repentance. This self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. This, this power. This, this, this That's really what happens. I mean, we, we experienced it when we were converted, brother and sister. When we went through that repentance and, 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 and letting go of ourselves and realizing we had nothing, the, the flip, the, the, the transformation of that, To a new life to power to 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 a change of attitude this is the power of godly repentance do i experience that in my life or do i want people to think i must i have everything together and therefore i'll repent to god on my own but you know it's it's this repentance was evident it worked something in the whole church it did something Chapter eight and nine it takes a it goes a different topic, but very also very pertinent. Giving. How do I give for God's purposes? Do I give like Jesus? Do I? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudging or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Do I have that desire in my heart? That desire is. It's placed there by God. And, and, and the reason I say that is because on our own, we just, um, we, we run out of gas. We give to a certain point and, okay, I've done my bit. I wrote my check, that's good. But the giving that comes from Jesus, it's, it's a giving of self, right? It's a giving of, of time, of, of, of myself, my heart. And in so doing, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And as I do that, the Lord supplies. That was 8 and 9. Then remember chapter 10? We had this change of tone where Paul says, I'm fighting a war. He kind of like takes, not takes the masks off, but kind of opens the, bars his chest a little bit. He says, I'm really fighting for you. I'm, right, I'm fighting a spiritual battle right now. My weapons are not carnal. They're spiritual. I'm fighting. Brother and sister, are you and I engaged in a spiritual warfare where we are using spiritual weapons to pull down strongholds, both in ourselves and in others? Paul is definitely doing it. That's the way I examine whether I am in the faith. Am I engaged in spiritual warfare? That was 10 and 11 where he goes through this comparison. And then the last thing, 12, just before we get to 13, was do I realize how weak I am so that Christ can be strong in me? This is a way, really, that I examine whether I am in the faith. Am I depending on myself or is it Jesus and what he does in me? That was Paul's personal experience. He revealed that that vision that he saw, that amazing thing about heaven he couldn't describe. And he said, at the same time, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. And the real thing I learned from that whole experience was my grace is sufficient for thee. My power is made perfect in weakness. So we've taken a walk through this epistle. There's plenty to examine ourselves, plenty to, to, to look and, and, and say. And this word reprobate here, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves, Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? And the word reprobate is just basically the negation of that word prove in the previous uh, sentence. Except you're disqualified, except you didn't even start, basically, that you don't have Jesus Christ in you. That's the only way that you're disqualified. Disqualified. That's the ultimate examination. All these things that we talked about here in this epistle, they're all the evidence, the the showing forth of Jesus Christ in me. And the only way I will be disqualified is if he's not in me. My friend outside of Christ, I don't know how you can read this verse and apply it to yourself. Like, how can you be sure that you have Jesus Christ in you? Scripture's clear. How we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, how we believe on him, how we confess him with our mouth, how we identify with him through baptism, how we're changed to walk in a newness of life, Romans 6, 7, 8. I don't have any assurance for you, my friend, if you have not gone through that and it is up to you to examine yourselves, too. Is Jesus Christ even really in me? I may have some vague ideas. I may have some nice associations that I think this, is, uh, this Word of God is a good thing, but it's not until it really cuts in your heart and it really makes to a point of pain where you have to choose. Is it me? Is it my way? Or is it God's way? When it gets to that point... And you know it. You, you feel the pricking, my friend. You feel the, the point of, the, like Paul said about Jesus Christ, the goads, the pricking. You feel it pushing you, and you know, is it my way or is it the Lord's way? And that will be the point where you start to realize, oh, Jesus Christ is now working in me. Yes, I have faith. I can believe it. What is that point for you? Realize it. May the power of Christ work in you to to really make that full, complete change that you can say, yes, I believe Jesus Christ is in me. Not in me because I'm doing all the things right all the time and I'm a good boy and I'm a good girl now. No, it's not that. It's something deeper, something more powerful than that is the power of Christ is working in me. The faith in Jesus Christ is sustaining me. I have nothing else. There's nothing else I'm claiming, nothing else I'm looking on. I'm not trusting my own understanding. It's his power. Very simple thing, my friend. The final few verses here in this, in, in um, maybe verse 7 to 10 here, Paul, after giving that really strong warning, says, I, I won't spare. If I come again and things have not changed, I won't spare. He not tempers it, but, but he offers them some comfort in this. He says, my desire in all of this is not for myself. It's never been about me. Now, I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. He, even if I am disqualified, even if you think that I am disqualified, my desire still for you is that You do what's right. You don't do the evil thing. You do what's good. That's the kind of love. Honestly, in the end, I don't really care what you think about me as long as you are doing the right thing. That's my desire for you. That's what he's saying to to the Corinthians. That's the kind of heart he has. For we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong. That's the real power of Christ, isn't it? This is the one that subjected himself to the death of the cross and this also we wish even your perfection there's a f- final few verses here the, the final four verses which are it always seems like you know you read them they're similar in the other epistles uh, these these little commandments or instructions tacked on the end but each one of these things is so rich each one of these things is like his final you know if if we're having a conversation or if i'm not going to see you again uh, for a while i'm going to make sure my final words count they mean something i show something of my heart to you and paul's been showing his heart all along but these final words are they're not just formulaic even though they're similar to other uh, uh the other epistles ending but they're really his heart. Finally, my brethren, finally, brethren, farewell. And the word here could also be translated as rejoice. <laughs> Paul's desire all along is not for a church of long faces, of lo- that, that, oh, we, we, we've, we've, we've been bad and, and we've got to really mope about it. I want you to rejoice. I want you to rejoice in the Lord, to be completely free in Him, to have that joy that is the mark of the Christian not this fretting of going about, am I, am I good enough or not? It's the one that has really examined himself, realized that he has, he's weak. He has nothing. He's, he's, uh, he can't bring anything to the table of himself and is relying on the Lord Jesus Christ and sees that in his life. That's the one that is free, that has that joy. That's where I want to be, not the other way finally, my brethren, farewell, be perfect, or be complete, or or aim, another translation would say, aim for restoration, to be, to heal whatever things are going on, you know, we know that's what happened in Corinth, right, right from the first epistle, the house, uh, those that are, of Paul, Apollos, there was a lot of divisions, a lot of, of, um, and Paul said, this is a sign of carnality, this is a sign that you are still in the flesh in a lot of ways, Aim for restoration. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Do we want to experience more of God? I'll say for myself, yes. And I'm sure you, brother and sister, will say the same thing. We want to experience a more, God, more of God, that God of love and peace. Let's do these things. Aim for restoration, for, for healing. Uh, uh, aim to be comforted, to be united, be a one mind to live in peace. You know, I've been thinking a little bit about this lady, just reading, reading some old um, members uh, of meeting minutes from the 70s. And, at, you know, the first time I, I read um, one of the phrases in there, you know, the, the church was basically questioning, do we have peace to the elder? They were asking that. And I thought, oh, that's funny. Shouldn't the church know whether it has peace or not? But then the more I thought about it, like, it's kind of like Corinth was an example of this. They probably thought things were okay. You know, we're doing okay. And Paul had to tell them things are not okay. You have, you have stuff going on that needs to be healed. We shouldn't have a feeling ever that things are okay. Things are, it's anything. Anything where there's a point of friction and there's a point of division, we really should be striving to restore it, to heal it, to experience more of the God of love and peace, not to be just content with things are okay. I think sometimes it takes someone like a, a Paul or or. A leader in the church to say something's not right here when when the rest of us may think it's okay it's fine we'll just we have a difference but we're not going to talk about it Paul's calling he says no 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 the God of love and peace he works in power in in his power will bring about things the impossible what you think is impossible changing someone else's mind changing someone else's heart changing my heart changing my mind That's the God of power that I serve. Then here, verse 12. One of those things that seems like an anachronism to most people today. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Recently, my wife found some interesting articles uh, online on this topic. And it was interesting. It was a series of three articles. And it kind of went through the history of the kiss... And, and uh, then the kiss in the Gospels, the two examples of it, there's one of, you know, Judas, betrayed with a kiss, and then there's the other of the woman who, who wept over Jesus' feet and, and kissed his feet. And then here in the, in the epistles, there are five separate commands to greet one another with a holy kiss, or, or P- Peter says uh, a kiss of charity or a kiss of love. It's a common thing. And today people are, don't do it too much. I mean, we have a a history of doing that. I think it's a fulfillment of this commandment. That's a good thing. But the the gist and the point of these articles was, you know, just by kissing someone else in greeting, that does not fulfill this commandment. That's what I took from it, really. Really? Greet one another with a holy kiss. So kissing in that time was a familiar way of, of greeting, common. And um, in some cultures still today, in Argentina, that's a common thing. That's the way that you greet. And it's what we practice as a brotherhood, too, is when we greet each other to fulfill this scripture. But the important thing is a holy kiss, that when I greet each brother, when I greet each sister, I am loving them as I ought to love in an equal way. No um, favoritism, no dissimulation, no kiss of Judas, betrayal. Each, I'm committed to each brother and each sister. That's why he says, First Thessalonians, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. This is the the commandment that keeps reoccurring, and I think if people are able to do that, you know, even if we have differences still, even if there are issues, and and I know there's something between us, if I can greet you honestly, openly, sincerely, with a holy greeting done in the sight of God and for him, that's going to go a long way to making the ground by which we can be closer in love and in unity. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that brothers should greet sisters with a kiss. Brothers should greet brothers, and sisters should greet sisters. That's uh, uh, the way we practice it. The last verse here. It's beauty. Beauty. Real beauty, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. The Godhead in its fullness, God who is complete from time without mind, time out of mind, before, before time began, the God who was complete in, of himself that has perfect love in himself, between the Father, Son, and Spirit, this God who then created everything, created time out of nothing, this is the God that now is to dwell among his people through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, those that call upon and trust the the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace, what he did on the cross. And the love that was shown from the Father through that and through the, the common unity, the, the shared uh, oneness of the Holy Spirit. This is how that, that threefold God is showing himself among us. Look around you. We're nothing. We're weak. But God in us, what a wonder, what a glory. I pray that we would see this. We wouldn't get distracted with another Christ or uh, some other thing that would pull us away from this beauty. This is the way he ends up after a, a strong letter, a heartbreaking letter in a lot of ways, a letter in which he poured out himself, which God has also written to us, his church today here in Toronto in 2023. A God that wants the grace of the Lord Jesus his love, and his communion through the Holy Spirit to be with us. Amen. As
1: so we've looked uh, back at the study of the book of Corinthians the, for now almost a year, we can see, and the, the word that comes to my mind is, is the word real, that the corinthians were a real church with real problems with real people that had real struggles with each other real pain to overcome Uh, but that the word of god is real and speaks to people like you and i people who are not just plastic You know in in today's world you know there's everything's virtual everything's manipulated curated we present an image but that's not the word of god and in this final chapter god is saying if you want the real power of god the real presence of god the real communion of the holy spirit the real grace you need to become real with god you need to stop pretending examine yourself and drop all the, all, all the masks in to be real with God, and then you can experience that real power and presence. May God bless His Word and dismiss us in His presence.